Welcome to the Illuminate Your Essence podcast, where we cut through the distractions, programs, and stories that have created chaos in your life and discover the truth, bliss, and joy that exists beyond the external clutter and resides within. Welcome. I have in studio today one of my favorite humans on planet Earth. Her name is Angel Lynn, and she's made a profound impact on my life. And tell you just a tiny bit about her, but you've got to hear her story. This is going to just rock your world. And honestly, this episode is going to change change the way you think, because that's what Angel's done for my life. She's helped me change the way that I think and allowed me to step out of that shame story, that guilt story, and into a place of love and putting the fear behind me and leaning into love instead of that fear. So I'm just incredibly excited to introduce you. She is a she has a master's in clinical social work, but she's chosen not to get her uh, LCSW. And I'm going to ex- actually have Angel tell us why. Why did you choose to be a life coach instead of a clinical therapist? Well, the short end of a 18-year-long story was that when I came out of graduate school, anxious to be a therapist, and I jumped into the field and hit the ground running, it was very soon afterwards that I was disillusioned by what I discovered in the field. I had been told social work was a helping profession. My experience in the whole system was that the interrelated system of mental health insurance pharmaceuticals is a big business. Mm -hmm. And I was disillusioned by the control in legislation and in treatment protocols that a licensed clinical social worker was a part of a larger system where I was not free to operate according to my heart or to spiritual inspiration because Mm -hmm. of the controls. And to be specific, many of my clients were being prescribed the exact same antidepressant. And as I did some investigation, discovered that there's a pharmaceutical representative coming to the clinic every month to bring a catered lunch for the staff and to have meetings, and that there were such things as incentives and kickbacks for the number of times somebody's prescribing a specific brand. So it's a sales pitch, like, hey, sell our product, and here's here's the way that we would incentivize that. So you and your wife get to go on a cruise, you know, they might, I mean, I don't know what all was entailed, but when they're pitching things to the psychiatrist and in all good faith, the psychiatrist is like, well, this brand is as good as another one. You know, they're doing their best to Mm -hmm. provide medication on my end. As I sat with clients and saw that heavily medicated people um, are, they look like zombies. The light is gone in their eyes And Mm -hmm. it numbs their ability to access their agency. So I would be talking to them about principles and I don't think they could compute them because they were just numbed out of their Mm -hmm. feeling and a little bit foggy in their thinking. And so while medication is super helpful to stabilize a person that is in a a downward spiral of deep depression, hopelessness, or suicide ideology... When I was looking at these charts and people have been coming to therapy for six, seven, eight years, and what their issue is today is not really much different than what they started with six, seven, eight years ago. I, that's where I hit disillusionment. Like I don't want to be a part of the problem or a system that's creating dependency. I want to help liberate the captives. I want to see people one time, you know, if this were possible and sometimes it has been, I want one hearty session with somebody and have them walk out changed. Mm -hmm. I don't want dependency. 
I'm not here for job assurance. And mm -hmm. the insurance companies was another thing being told this disorder can be paid for, but that condition can't be paid for. And having to play that insurance game where a therapist is asked to commit insurance fraud, not, not outright, but it, we're told this way, reassess the client and resubmit a new diagnosis so that they can get coverage. When I heard that, I looked at my supervisor and I was like, isn't that insurance fraud? And of course, oh, no, 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 right? We have to cover our butts. It was unethical. And I just backed up and stepped out of the profession and kind of wandered for a while. I, I did six years of school for that. You yeah. know, and so then the miracle was that I had the education that could help me speak the language of cognitive behavioral psychology and human behavior and all of that wonderful education. And I knew exactly what I didn't want to be. And so then I became a mom, a homeschooling mom in the next 14 years, found my heart and soul. So I combined that background, social work, psychology with nutrition, which has a bigger impact on mental health than anything I saw in the medical world. True, true nutrition and movement can help your mind and mood mm -hmm. and body significantly mm -hmm. with no side effects. So I became passionate about those options and then spirituality also added to that. So now I'm a life coach and I prefer to be called a soul mentor because my aim is to help each client find their own soul and let their soul guide them. I don't want to create dependency on me or any other guru or expert mm -hmm. to make you think that I have the answers for your life. So that's Hallelujah. me in a nutshell. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Bring that's all the we need to say. And <laughs> mic drop. Cut. That's all we got. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, can you guys see? Like, I just seriously want to go, yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and and honestly, you're you're speaking my language. Part of my language is because of your influence. I'm a transformational advocate, meaning I'm advocating that the transformation is happening in them, right? It's happening mm -hmm. from within. We don't need to change them. They're not broken. Nobody's broken. The, no. the world would say they're broken, mm -hmm. but they're not broken. And so, okay, I, I've got to start this discussion off right here. So the life that you live right now, you have said you have never been so peaceful and happy and that you are in the zone of genius right now in your life. And yet this lifestyle that you have, Angel, right now is not really usually on someone's vision board. Let's be honest with you. Really? Um, it's not. So, so I, I want you to describe where you live right now. I mean, this isn't going to be for forever, but you do choose this lifestyle. The last two years mm -hmm. that I've known you, you've chosen a couple of months, three months to live this kind of lifestyle. So share where you're at and what you're doing and why you chose this. In worldly standards at this moment, like as of this week, um, I'm currently homeless. That's not how God termed it. When God invited me to let go of or lose all attachments back in June of 2021, I began to explore what that looked like. And it, it looked like being attached to a physical address, to a home, to a car, to a clinic where you work, to a relationship, you know, a partnership, a marriage, like it was big. <laughs> it was a big deconstruction of everything that I thought I was, my identity, where my security came from, and where I was getting meaning in my life. So at this moment, this week, I've been sleeping on somebody's porch on the in o Oahu. I'm in Hawaii, which I love. Hawaii is a place that calls me to come home to it periodically to reset my nervous system by being close to the ocean and let the flow of the water just naturally reset my nervous system. No medications, no 
heart monitors. No, (laughs) it's just come home and reset and align with truth because nature doesn't lie. So I choose, it's not because I'm I don't have a place to live. I actually have a home in St. George. It's not because of, um, you know, I've been kicked out uh, or ostracized by anyone. It's by choice Mm. that I choose to sleep in nature, that I choose to wander the community without a car and go by foot, sometimes by bus, and that I choose to listen to the breeze and ask the trees questions and ponder what the ocean has to say which all sounds like woo-woo, hippie, dippy, baloney stuff. <laughs> if I had been hearing myself five years ago, I would have thought this lady is high. And I'll tell I you, mean, I am. When I, yeah, when I tell I your thought, story to people, I, I, they, they go, what? No, what? No, what? She, she's yeah. sleeping in a hammock in, in Hawaii. Yes. And I'm like, no, you have to hear her story because once you do, you may even want to join her in another <laughs> hammock. Next I've thought door. about that. You know, I thought about maybe I need a, a community where you could come and I would just have your hammock set up for you and we could all hammock together. It's angel it's I'm right there. There's, next there's to you, so Seth. many things. Yeah, there's so many things. Let me say one thing about the radical nature of living in a hammock, which is what I did last year here on Hawaii, um, on Oahu, but just one thing, if you can get past what your mind tells you that that looks like, or that is, or I want you to to stop all the analyzing and picture yourself being in a hammock and the temperature is 75 to 78 degrees and you're a few yards from the ocean. So the breeze is rocking you. It's swinging you gently and you close your eyes and the hammock has this nice little netting. So you're, you're zipped up in it so that no bugs can get on you. And as you close your eyes and you rock, you go back to the womb. You go back to your experience when you were just inside of your mother, safe, protected, the sound of the water, the gentle rocking, and everything was okay. And you can start from there, reborn, letting go of everything that this earthly life has programmed you to think, believe, worry about, fear, stress over, want, seek, try to obtain and achieve, all of that's gone and you just are cradled in this cocoon. Mm. And just like the metamorphosis of a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly, there is a cocooning period where the caterpillar, it's going around gobbling up, gobbling up all this stuff, right? On the ground. There's so many great metaphors in this. This describes my life. Caterpillar just eats and eats and eats till it's chubby full. And that was me going after personal development and learning and progressing. And what could I do more to make myself the kind of person I'm supposed to be and fulfill my potential and rise to the measure of my creation? I was gobbling it all up. Righteousness, education, um, parenting skills, relationship skills, gobble, gobble, gobble on a ground level. And all it did was made me fat and tired physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I was stuck at ground level. But my soul said, you were designed to fly. It kept whispering, you were designed to fly. And I couldn't see it. How can I fly? Everything's so heavy. I was stressed. I had adrenal fatigue, Hashimoto's, chronically elevated cortisol levels. And I was pre-diabetic, health problems. How do you fly when you are weighed down? And then there became the deconstruction phase when I really surrendered to God. And when a caterpillar moves into its chrysalis, did you know it dissolves into mush? This is a step. Unbelievable. You can watch videos on it. It's not that it just crawls in there and it grows wings. No, it dissolves into mush, meaning everything it thought it was Mm -hmm. has to go back into 
an organic matter form. And then from that space, it begins to grow anew. From those materials, from those elements, from the DNA, though, it it springs forward, this metamorphosis, and emerges as a butterfly, now a creature that is free to fly where it wants to fly so far above the ground, no longer gobbling up all the same stuff. It is beautiful and free, and its perspective is so much different than the ground-level perspective that it had as a caterpillar. And that's how I feel. And my physical time in a hammock on the beach was very much a transition for me where I lost began to lose and continue to shed my attachments to everything the world has taught me was important or valuable or gave me worth and value. You know, I, I, I know that these, this is the question that's out there because this was a question that I had. I was like, this sounds incredibly beautiful and wonderful and fantastic. How did you get there though? Because we have lived in this world that has programmed us, that has told us the recipe for success. And most of us have bought into it. I mean, you do life this way. You get good grades in high school. You go to college. You you try and get a scholarship to pay for it. You mm-hmm. get married. You have children. <laughs> you get a good job. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Right? Stress, and, yeah. rinse, and repeat. Stress, yeah. rinse, and, and repeat. Exactly. And people, and we all know most people are overwhelmed, frustrated, and and feel like they're going to self-implode inside. If people are real with you, 95% of us are suffering inside. We don't tell anybody because Mm -hmm. we've got the Instagram that proves that we're doing okay. But 95% of us are feeling a lack of being whole and -hmm. that there's something wrong with us. And that's why we can't get the recipe quite right because, but you know what? This recipe is a bunch of shit. And so we, we start to dismantle that, don't we angel? And that's where you've been. Where did your, where did the dismantling start? Where did that happen? Yeah. I want to speak to what you just said. So the reason people get stuck in a trap is because when they feel like that, not everyone feels an awareness that life is bad. They, they have this paradigm that's really hidden in their unconscious that thinks that life is a struggle. And so some people think if they're struggling, it means that they're building fortitude and they see life as like a mountain to climb and they keep championing themselves to climb this mountain, climb this mountain, climb this mountain. Um, A large amount of people do get tired of climbing the mountain and frustrated. Like, what am I going to get there? What more is there to do? But there's a pendulum swing and it's, it differs based on personality. Some people's personalities will take it inward and they'll be angry at themselves and they'll see themselves as broken or I'll never be able to do enough. Um, I'll never be lovable. And they can spiral down into depressive states Mm -hmm. or anxious states. But there's another strange thing. Um, Some people see that as weak. Some personality types see that as weak. And so they will swing the other way. It's not healing it and it's not overcoming it, but they create something called a superiority complex. Mm -hmm. And that is like, I am not going to be one of those people that's just going to wallow in their pity. I will not let myself be depressed or anxious. So I am going to light a fire under my ass and I'm going to run up this hill called life. So people become overachievers and really seek to prove their worth and value. So there's, and there's those two kind of people. And I definitely swung on that pendulum, both Mm -hmm. experiencing deep bouts of depression at times, and then deciding, you know what, if I just get up off my butt 
and I nail my nutrition and I, and I get up at five in the morning and I do my scripture study. And then I feed my kids organic food so that we're all healthy. And then I homeschool my five sons. And then I have a side gig and I I join an MLM so that I can help. We need a little more money because we're struggling financially. So I'm going to take that on too. Then I'm going to do my calling at church um, in a presidency because I need to do that as well. That was what I was doing Mm -hmm. was I was trying to force myself up this ladder of success that the world had taught me this is what's right, successful, and it's how you find happiness, and it's where you'll find peace. And in that process, I started to feel like a hamster on a wheel. I was in a cage. I was in a box. I kept trying to run faster and faster to do more and more of the things that the world had told me were right and true, and I was not moving anywhere. I was, the faster I ran, the faster that wheel went, there was just always more to do. And I ended up being like this chubby little hamster that just fell over once. (laughs) I just fell over. I remember really, really, this was a visual after I had gone to the doctor and I got all of these results from my tests and they were all saying how many health problems, you know, it's like, well, what the heck, what more can I do? And in this visual, I was saying me as this little gray chubby hamster that (laughs) fell over on the wheel and the wheel stopped spinning and I'm just laying there. And that's when I was like, God, what more can I do? And all of a sudden I picture an image of the savior sitting outside of this hamster cage, just resting his chin on his hand and just like, are you ready to get out of there? And I was like, yes, please. And then he reaches over and he opens the latch on the top of the cage and puts his hand down into the cage and lifts me up in his hand and brings me out of the cage and just holds me. And what that looked like, this was an actual visualization I had, but it was only after that had been happening in my life. I ran into and met mentors who started to coach me in a paradigm shift. I found the realm of consciousness and spirituality as a genre of writing. I had never heard about it or read about it even in all my college years, but it takes psychology to a new level of radical accountability and awareness. So I began to read and lean into all of these ideas to really look at my paradigm. Stephen Covey taught about this way back in the seventies and eighties. He, Mm -hmm. he said, it's not our goals that need to change. It's the paradigm that needs to shift. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll spend all of our life climbing up this ladder, climbing the ladder. That's what I was doing. That was my hamster wheel was my own imagined ladder. And he said, only to find that when we get to the top of our ladder, we realize it's been leaning against the wrong wall. And Mm. that's how he explained the need for a paradigm shift. But it didn't click for me until I was 38. And I had this physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion. I was onrier than ever when it came to parenting and trying harder than ever and had more accomplishments under my belt than ever before. But what was going on was I was learning to turn to God to ask my questions. And then God would provide other people or means or a book to help me understand what the spiritual answers were. Because it took a while of unraveling and unlayering all of these mortal concepts for me to come to a knowledge of the truth, for me to weave, unweave or unravel the stronghold my ego identity had on me so that I could find out who and what I really was. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the moments when I was having a conversation just directly with God, but I had to learn to be open and not, and not presume or expect a certain answer. That was one of the biggest shifts is I quit trying to pray to God to have the answers from God reaffirm what I already think I knew, what I already thought I knew. And that, that's a big shift in my praying. And so as I was asking God, why is it that I feel like a hamster on a wheel? God started to list or remind me of my checklists. Look at your life every day. This is what you get up. You wake up and you think you have a marathon to run. No wonder you have chronically elevated cortisol levels. It's a checkbox of take care of your health, do your personal study, have a devotional with your kids, make great homemade food for them, sit down and teach them. And he went through my checklist and said, this is not just a to-do list, Angel. This is your do-do list. And I was like, it's my shit list. (laughs) (laughs) Your do-do list. (laughs) My do-do list. It totally was. And then after I laughed for a moment at that term, then God said, do you really want to know what it is? And I said, yeah. And he says, he made, led my mind to think about, have you ever heard of the Tower of Babel? And I thought back to all the times I'd sat in a Sunday school class, learning about this biblical story of the Tower of Babel. And I remember anytime I heard it, I thought, what was wrong with these ancient people? Were they less <laughs> intelligent? They had to be a little slow or low on the IQ. Who would think you could build a structure and climb it to get closer to heaven and God? And so I reviewed that and then I, you know, turned my thoughts back. Yeah, God, I know exactly the story of the Tower of Babel. And I think there's something wrong with those people. And God simply said to me as a thought, this doo-doo list is your modern day Tower of Babel. Mm. And I felt like it was a mic drop Jesus moment. Like all of a sudden (laughs) Jesus walks out of the room and I'm just left sitting there like, wait, 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 come back. You can't just do that to me. And it was like, no. Think about that for a minute. No, you can just stay there, Angel, with your doo-doo list. I'll be right over here when you're ready, when you're ready to wake up and have your paradigm shift. Just come and get me. But right now, you are too attached to the doo-doo list. And uh, by the way, I'm going to tell everybody, the reason why you're only seeing Angel's forehead is is because is because her uh she's on she's on island time guys and she doesn't have access to everything that we have right now and so she's doing her best with the technology that she has available and her uh earbuds they they didn't hold the charge the whole time so she's trying to get close so you can hear so it, you've got a really nice forehead <laughs> I'm really actually trying to show you how much I love my island hair because when I I love it, I love your hair. hair. There are there's no product in it. I have not shampooed my hair for two months, y'all. I know it looks like that because I'm a homeless person, but (laughs) I like it. Yeah, I love it. We actually go to the, we actually go to the salon to get beachy waves like that. And you've got them. Curls. Yeah. So all you Utah chicks that want beach wave hair, check it out. (laughs) Just go to the beach and get it. Rub some sand so in awesome. it. Put some salt in it and just let it go. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So, so you're with the doo-doo list. Jesus is right over there. Mic drop. Next. Now what? That's exactly where I just said, tear it down. This was the biggest moment of surrender of my entire life. I said, God, tear it down. Just tear down my Tower of Babel. And lo and behold, (laughs) everything crumbled. My marriage, I went through a divorce. I became a single mom. I hadn't been in the workforce for years. I started cleaning homes for people. 
um, it was so beautiful because I, I went through some of the most humbling encounters, like receiving a vehicle from a family member because I didn't have a vehicle, receiving a place to live at a very low rate because my, my sister and her husband bought a double wide trailer mm-hmm. for me and the boys to live in. But during this period, I was only making a couple hundred, maybe $500, $600 a month cleaning. I didn't want to put all my kids in school and have them not. I didn't want to actually prayed about it and was directed. You don't have to. But having been homeschooled kids and then having to go through their parents divorcing and throw them all into public school at once and have their mom working a full-time job, the spirit said, no, put your healing and your children's relationships with you first, and I will provide the way. So God led me to clean for people and for senior citizens. It was such a gift. So I was cleaning for lovely people who loved me and, and cared about me and my kids, but only making a few hundred dollars a month. And I remember pulling into the driveway one night in the suburban, my kids are in the car and the empty light is flashing on the gas tank. And I stopped and I, I said, I don't have a dollar in my wallet. And that moment when fear shows up, your body tenses. Mm-hmm. I felt restriction in my body, heaviness in my heart, fear, the desire for anxiety. It wanted to ignite. And I had learned throughout this time to notice fear and to cast it off. What more is there? I can choose to operate from fear or I can pause and shift gears and operate from its antithesis, which is love. Love and light and truth are synonyms. And so in that moment, I took a deep breath to breathe in that there's a new possibility. And I exhaled, letting go of the fear that I have no money. Therefore, I have no gas. Therefore, how am I going to get to my jobs tomorrow? And I let it go. And I said to God, you have taken care of me up until this point, And I trust that you have a plan. I walk into the house. It's almost 11 o'clock at night. And my cell phone rings. I don't get phone calls at 11 o'clock at night. My head wanted me to ignore it because it wanted to stay stressed. Don't answer the phone. You've got to worry about your empty gas tank. Again, breathe in. Let go of the fear. Answer the phone. It was a woman in our community who runs a Polynesian dance company. And she said, Angel, we need your boys to dance tomorrow. There's a group in town that's having a Christmas show. They had arranged for some island dancers to perform. The act just canceled. They're desperate. Can your boys dance tomorrow? They will pay you what you ask for. I turned to my boys and first asked their permission. Are you guys willing to perform tomorrow? Sure, they say, because they do Polynesian dancing. I have five Fijian American sons. So they say yes. So she tells me, call this person. It's not too late. So I call the person coordinating the event. And I have never, I've never done this. I've never asked someone to pay my kids to dance. And so that was that little stretchy moment. Am I worthy to ask? Mm-hmm. Um, can I get out of scarcity in this moment? And, and I didn't even know what to, p- to pinpoint the money at. What is it worth? I, none of that. But in, I just asked inward and upward, what do I need? And the answer was, it's, at the time, it was just $60 to fill a gas tank. So this tells you it's been a couple of years because it's way more now. <laughs> but that was the number that came to mind. So I told the woman, my boys are willing to dance. Where do we need to be? What time? And she set it up. And then she said, we can have a check ready for you. How much will it be? And I said, $60. And she said, okay, no problem. 
So the next morning, I just told the boys, I don't know if we have enough gas to get to the location that we need to get to. Let's just pray that we do. And we did. We made it. We performed. They handed me a check. We coasted downhill to the Chevron, filled the tank, and it has just continued to evolve from there, letting go of my Tower of Babel so that I could find God. I stopped trying to prove and earn and work my way into God's presence and immediately found that I can be in and I am in. My soul is in God's presence all the time. I have to learn to detach from my ego, which lives in the world and listen to talk to and be with my soul, be guided by my soul. And as I do so, I'm walking in the presence of God, be in the world and not of the world. All of these little phrases I had heard growing up just started clicking into Mm. place. Oh my word, Angel. It just, I, I just can't tell you. I feel tingles all through my body, which means that is truth. That, that means truth. Um, in my body, I would love for you. Cause I know that I would like to have the answer. I hear God in my own language it was my own language of my heart, but I know a lot of people are like, how, like, how do you hear this? Like, you know, did you originally think you were like, had multiple personalities or, you know, mm-hmm. that to, I mean, where do you find this answer. How do you do that? Because most individuals will say, I have no idea what that feels like. I have no idea what that sounds like. And if I, I wouldn't hear the tower of Babel, um, be even being said, and that Jesus told me that, like, where do you get that? How do you get that? Well, a long time ago, I began to be so curious about the common belief system among many women in my church, because I would hear them say in the church classes, things like, I don't know the difference between my voice and the spirits. Or they would say things like, I'm no scholar. I'm no scriptorian. Um, I'm no church scholar. There was all these little nuances about how women are not divinely connected. Like women don't receive Mm. and speak scripture. Women don't receive revelation They do for themselves, but it's not like important enough to have it be recognized outside of themselves. So, so that was one thing that I I did challenge because as I started talking with God, I did wonder, and then I would have the moments of being in the presence of God that were bliss and freedom. And then slipping back into my ego, my natural man, my human self that were restrictive, tense, stressful, overwhelming. And that looks like bipolar. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I did many times think do I need a therapist? You know, do I? <laughs> yeah. And I checked in. I did. I checked in with therapists. And I checked I checked these things out. But it was a, uh, a process over a period of months, really, from having that hamster falling down moment of, I can't do this anymore, to God, show me what is really true and possible that I learned. And I'm going to give you a few steps, but I'm going to tell you, All of this is described in memoir form and in self-help form in my upcoming book called Solular Evolution, spelled S-O-U-L, Solular Evolution, A Mormon Woman's Transcendent Journey to Love. And it is a lot of information. So I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest answer to your question. How do you listen to yourself? You first have to know there are two selves that live inside of you. So when most people try to listen and get answers and talk to God. What they don't understand is everything that's coming to them or being offered 
in an answer, in inspiration or guidance from a spiritual realm is running into the filter of their ego. And their ego, their natural man, is the part of them that has been programmed and conditioned by human beliefs, societal beliefs, cultural beliefs, family beliefs, schooling beliefs, political party beliefs, your peers, and then finally your own mortal interpretations of what does all this mean about me? So there's all of that that makes up who you think you are. And that part of you operates from the energy of fear. So when you have a fear-based thought, it has to be noticed. Is this coming from fear or love? That's the first question. What I'm telling myself right now, what I'm thinking, what I'm believing, what I'm saying, can I pause and look at the thought as something separate from me instead of we over-identify with our thoughts? We think it's true because I thought it. And it's true because I have this evidence. No, you're just actually collecting more data about your beliefs. Mm-hmm. You're not reaching into the realm of what you don't know you don't know. And God lives in the realm beyond what you see with your eyes and you've known as a mortal. So you can't get godly answers by constantly regurgitating the beliefs of your human environment. You have to recognize that's a thought. Is it coming from love or fear? It's fear-based. And some people are like, no, no, no. You can find out by saying, what am I afraid of? Take it as a question. What am I afraid of? And, oh, I'm actually afraid of this. That's why I'm angry. Anger is always a mask for fear. That's one example. So if you can find that it's anchored to fear, then say, who or what taught me to think this thought? Like, where did this belief come from? Where did this idea come from? And it will be anchored to a mortal, a human, some earthly experience you've had. And that's what I discovered. If that's the case, if there's fear and this thought has come from any human idea, then there's a potential margin of error. Mm -hmm. It might not be absolute truth according to God. And that's where I put my foot in the door as a wedge to start prying my awareness away from my ego to then set it aside and turn completely the other direction, which is to notice I have a soul, to believe I have a spirit that was divinely designed and fitted with light receptacles to be able to recognize and discern truth. And those look like, one, my body. My body's a vessel of truth, just like a polygraph test works. Lie detector tests measure physiology to determine whether a person is lying or telling the truth. And you touched on, I'm getting tingles all over my body. That's one way I recognize truth. That's Mm -hmm. an evidence that every one of us can do our own lie detector tests. We can learn to listen to our bodies and notice when fear, lies, anger, jealousy, shame, guilt are in our bodies because of what we're thinking or hearing from someone else. Our bodies will respond with restriction. And the opposite is true. When truth, light, and love are present, it will relax and expand and and release. So I started to notice and listen to my body. My heart either feels heavy or it feels free and at peace. Those are two things that helps me start to know if I'm talking to my soul. My soul, I discovered by asking God, show me my soul. That question, I want to know. I had to first have the desire, the hope that something was there. And then ask the question. And those are key elements as well. Have a desire to change. Have a desire to see something than the story you're telling yourself, the egoic way of thinking. And then ask questions. Questions precede revelation. Questions are where we find answers. So it was the question of, 
show me my soul. Do I have a spirit? And then being able to be brought into the presence of my spirit in a visualization and recognizing she has no fear. She has no ego. She has no attachment to mortal ideas. She's so much more than that. She's a vessel of light and love. So if I ask her a question, she can't lie to me and she can't mislead me and she can't lead me astray. So in all of this, there was that side theme I had been taught. You can be led astray if you listen to anything other than what we tell you, what's published in our materials and all of that. That was from my religious upbringing. And so I had that fear. Am I being led astray because I'm doing things a little bit differently than how I've done them in the past? And I just took it in, in that meditation with my soul. And I said, can I be led astray? And my spirit laughed. Only if you trust your natural man, only if you defer to the programming of the world, I will never lead you astray. You as your your core self angel, your true identity as a daughter of God can't be fooled. You have to find that place inside of yourself. And it's a practice to start discerning what's truth and what's error. And over time, by acting on it, I'd ask my soul questions and she'd bring me answers. As I acted on them with courage, that's how I begin to see the manifestation of truth. And I was like, oh, this is true. And it's totally different from what I had been telling myself was true. So I grew in my confidence in listening to that inner voice, trusting my heart. And that's how I ended up here. That's how I can live sleeping on somebody's porch (laughs) because all of the fears are gone that say that I have to have a house and I have to have plumbing and I have to have air conditioning and I have to have a car because I have to have a job so that I can pay for all these things that I have. And you know what? I got rid of my belongings. When you don't have stuff, there's nothing to pay for. Mm. So, (laughs) and here I am, I still exist and I exist in Hawaii. People work so hard to dream about a vacation in Hawaii. And I just come here for months at a time and celebrate and live in and praise the creation of God in nature. It's like God's hosting a cocktail party and I get to go every day. (laughs) I love this. I, I feel like what you're saying in another way is we can start to become the observer in our life and we can start to Mm -hmm. see that there are two different voices, right? We've got that ego man. We've got that, we've got that monkey inside of our mind Mm -hmm. that never shuts up ever. It never shuts up unless we learn to be quiet. We learn, you know, a lot of individuals don't feel like they can meditate, but it is a practice. You can get there. Mm -hmm. You can start to quiet that. Um, And and it's even okay if different thoughts come in because sometimes those Mm -hmm. thoughts are associated to our soul and to our heart's desires and, and the answers to all the things that we are having. But if it's jumbled and we feel chaotic and we feel overwhelmed and we feel fatigued, you can pretty much bet it is from this space here, from from the ego, from that overactive mind. Usually what I find when I'm really listening to that heart space is very expansive. It's very peaceful. It's very yes. calm. And when, mm-hmm. when I get there, that's that's usually when I can hear the difference and I feel the difference in my body. Now, we're going to have an entire podcast based on getting safe feeling safety, feeling Mm -hmm. like getting back in our bodies and 
regulating our nervous system because it's really hard to pick up on the nuances of our soul <laughs> when we're so distracted by our body that isn't really feeling safe. So we're going to have a whole nother podcast. I know you're going to be back on this show, Angel, because I'm going to have people say, when's Angel coming back? And of <laughs> course you said you have a book coming out. You have other resources. Tell the, the listeners, where can they get more Angel? Because I know for a fact, there's going to be individuals out there like me that says, oh, I've got to get more Angel in my life. Yes, I would love to meet them. Uh, my Facebook profile is Angel Lynn, L-Y-N. And if you send a friend request, I would love to invite you to a private free mentoring group that I have on Facebook where I share my experiences and answer questions. So everybody is welcome to come there. And my also my cell number, just take it, 435-429-1465. You can send me a text and a question. I would offer a free consultation if you're interested in life coaching and or you just want to say, Angel, what did you read? I've got a book list I love to share, tell you about these authors that help you how to learn to see and observe your thinking. There's a lot of great authors, Michael Singer, Debbie Ford, Marianne Williamson, Byron Katie, like all these people, it, it helps you. And you've got to hear the message again and again and again to be able to figure out what someone's talking about. Mm -hmm. It's just like learning another language. You know, I learned Spanish. And if someone had just brought me in a classroom, they could have sat me down and in one hour taught me the truth about Spanish. Here's how you conjugate sentences, words, and put sentences together. Here's all the letters in the alphabet in Spanish and what they sound like. Here's a vocabulary list of key words and what they mean. I could have listened to it all in one hour and walked out and not been able to speak Spanish. Right. It's a practice. I have right. to keep going back to the lessons, explain it to me again. And now I'm going to try, I'm going to try it on. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was for me. It was over the course of the last four to five years of I would go back and listen to the same audiobooks, And then every time, like, there's the piece I missed. That's what I'm, I didn't understand because it's outside of what I already know. This information's right. coming from the realm of what I didn't know I didn't know. So it's like a totally new language. And right. like my own thoughts make me laugh. When fearful thoughts come in that are, Angel, you shouldn't do that. You should do this. You have to do that. Or you're feeling guilty. They will show up every day. But it's like my own Comedy Central. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, that's so hilarious. I can totally <laughs> buy into that. And I could go right into stress and suffering and overwhelm and shooting on myself. And then I could be really angry at others and project my mental health onto them. And I just laugh and then it just blows up. And then I'm like, what is true? Just mm -hmm. attached to the truth. And you get to live in peace, love, compassion, and freedom mm, you every get, day. You get to live in peace, love, compassion, and freedom. That's what this is all about. And honestly, folks that are listening, what she is saying is true. And you probably actually feel it in your, in your body right now. You can feel that there's truth. You can feel that um, there is this connection between what she's saying and what you're receiving. And so I would encourage you to listen to this over and over and then go and and get on the resources that Angel just um, provided. Never had anybody offer their cell phone number on a podcast. That's how I've never done you, that. folks. It was inspiration in this moment. So whoever it is that's listening to you, that is listening to your podcast, I've been on other podcasts. I've never given my phone number out and it just came through. 
And when I took the question inward and upward, what do I offer them? And it was like, tell them your phone number. And I'm saying it out loud going, here we go. Here we go again. Like that's an example of just trusting. Like if God wants me to do it, then I'll do it. And there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fear. Mm, Love that. All right. Well, Angel, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the content that you provided today. Every single time I listen to you, I get something that I can apply immediately. And you have changed the trajectory of my life. Even this entire project of Illuminate Your Essence, which is my podcast, my branding, illuminating what's already there, shining the spotlight on that soul that has been buried for a very long time for most of us. And then also the truth and dare, daring to live your truth in a fake world. Everything that you have provided to me is you've actually been quoted at least twice in my book. And that comes out 11, 11, 22. There is a beautiful video that's coming out on 9, 11, and I'll share it all. You know, I will share that with everyone. It, I just saw it for the very first time last night. Oh, I can't wait. And I can't wait. I cried tears like, like it was, it was the ugly cry. That's yeah. how it was. It was that beautiful. And it's because I learned the lessons of trusting, of listening, of taking action, of going inward and upward. You and a, a very select few of individuals in my life have taught me to get to that place. And it does do exactly what you said. It allows you to be in that life of, of peace, compassion, love, and freedom. So this is our offering. Here you go, guys. So until (laughs) next time, um, thank you so much, Angel. Thank you. Aloha oi. Until we meet again. Wonderful. Until next time, my listeners, um, we'll go to the deep dive. We'll continue the dialogue here on Illuminate Your Essence. Thanks so much for spending your time today with us. Thank you for listening. I invite you to continue the dialogue, the discovery, and the deep dive on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Also on my website, feel free to download your free copy of the five steps to discovering your inner voice and begin your journey of discovering the truth within today.